The Catholic Church's teaching on the Eucharist has been in the news a lot lately after the U.S. bishops at their most recent meeting decided to draft a first draft of a letter to the people of God, to the church in the United States, on Eucharistic coherence. And for most people, depending on your political persuasion, you either, you read that, you know, we, we just dive right into these things and we read into things, right? Some people are worried that, or think that it's a rebuke of, of those politicians who support abortion publicly and prominently from their positions. Others have said, well, give the bishops time to craft the document. But it's forced all of us to really wrestle with what does it mean, the Eucharist, and for us to prepare ourselves and to dispose ourselves to receive the Eucharist. Now, I'll admit, I have tried to avoid this with all of my might and strength because there are a lot of other things on my plate that are of immediate importance to serving you, the people of God, here at St. Paul's, especially as we prepare to welcome back our students and really to reopen because we've been closed for a year and a half because of the basement renovation. But the Lord loves us very much, and we serve a mighty God. And so for the next five weeks, we will be reading from John 6, the Bread of Life Discourse. And so buckle up, the Lord said to me this week in prayer, and he threw me into the deep end. He said, you're going to learn how to swim on this one. God loves us. But sometimes we can get so caught up in the weeds, and we can so easily impose upon uh, priests, bishops, the teachings of the church, our own, from our political, ideological, theological spectrum. We come to the church no matter where we are or what we are. We come broken, battered, afraid, hurting. And the church exists to meet us there. And so in looking at the Eucharist, we can look to the doctrines of the Eucharist. What is substantially the Eucharist? And for those theological nerds, what is the difference between the Eucharistic substantial and sacramental presence versus physical presence in a thing? And I'd be happy to talk with you after Mass about how St. Thomas Aquinas talks about that. But we, we sometimes get lost in the weeds of the specificity and the technicality of it. Or we can get so caught up in how can I prepare myself for coming to Holy Communion. To present myself for Holy Communion, I am saying I believe what the church teaches on the Eucharist. That this is the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. Not only do I believe that, but I am in communion with the church. I believe what the church professes doctrinally. Not only that, but I'm saying that I have examined thoroughly my conscience and I am free from mortal sin and my public life is a representation of my faith in the Lord Jesus. But anytime we go down those digressions, we immediately hit the roadblocks of the lived reality of our life, of the challenges that we all face in our life. And so I want us to take a little bit of a step back Because in my own prayer, my own leadership, and my study of those things, I think we need to first and foremost understand why before we get into the what and to the how. Why does Jesus give us the Eucharist? Why does he offer it to us without any cost to ourselves? Why does he ask us to make the Eucharist the absolute center of our life? And brothers and sisters, when we get this, when we start to understand the beautiful reasons why, the other stuff starts, not easily, but starts to make a little more sense. And the challenges of the world we can wade into with joy and eagerness because we know why the Lord is sending us. And so I want to propose three reasons why the Lord says to us in the gospel today, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never hunger and whoever believes in me will never thirst. 
and why we believe that that is the Eucharist, the body, blood, soul, and divinity. Bread and wine that become the body and blood of Jesus. The first thing, the first why, is that the answer to every longing and need of the human heart is the person of Jesus Christ. Anything that you desire in life, any happiness or joy you seek, you will only find fulfillment through that and in that, the person of Jesus Christ. When we move in directions that lead us away from Jesus, we are moving away from the very reason that we exist. St. John Paul II, in a, in a message to youth years ago, had a great teaching on this. It is Jesus you seek when you dream of happiness. He is waiting for you when nothing else you find satisfies you. He is the beauty to which you are so attracted. It is he who provoked you with that thirst for fullness that will not let you settle for compromise. It is he who urges you to shed the masks of a false life. It is he who reads in your heart your most genuine choices, the choices that others try to stifle. It is Jesus who stirs in you the desire to do something great with your lives, that the will to follow an ideal, the refusal to allow yourselves to be ground down by mediocrity, the courage to commit yourselves humbly and patiently to improving yourselves in society, making the world more human and more fraternal. Why the Eucharist? Why the church? Why the incarnation? Because the fulfillment of our desires is in a person. That's the first why. The second why is because God loves us so much, he doesn't stop there. He doesn't say, here is this ideal, here is this person in the clouds, here is this thing. He becomes one of us and tries to draw us to himself. He makes the world sacramental in that the way that Jesus becomes one of us, he is perfectly human and perfectly divine, and he desires for us to experience that. Not in a tangential or indirect way, but directly. He desires to touch us and to literally consume us through his very body and blood. St. Augustine, when he writes about the Eucharist, says that when we eat everything else in the world, it becomes a part of us. The hamburger ceases to become a hamburger, it becomes a part of Patrick. I like hamburgers, they're delicious. <laughs> but when I receive the Eucharist, Patrick goes away and Jesus consumes me. The Lord doesn't just want us to know that there is a person. The Lord wants us to be consumed by that. The Lord desires for us to be changed substantially into himself. He is the fulfillment of our desires and he desires for us to know what it's like to be in relationship with him, to be forgiven of our sins, to hear the words, I absolve you of your sins from a priest, and to be forgiven, to receive, hear the words, the body of Christ, and to receive into my body God himself and to become one with God. Not only does he fulfill our desires, he touches us and desires to be united with us perfectly. But he continues. He's not just happy. The Lord doesn't just want for us to know his love, to be consumed by him, but he wants us to do the work of sanctification, of changing the world and saving it in his name. He wants to partner with us. 
This is the beauty of the Eucharist, is that all of us scattered and different, all of us coming from different places, receive the one triune God in the Eucharist. And then we are sent out into the world, and guess what? We manifest God's love in so many different ways. And he wants the fullness of his love, the fullness of his creation to be radiated in our lives. We look to the great communion of the saints, and we see saints who have been so consumed by love of of theology, of ideas, of the the very notion of God, and have spent their lives studying and teaching on that. We see those who spend their entire lives in direct service to the materially poor. We see everywhere in between. And we are able to do that, to follow God's will, and to serve with heroic virtue because we are consumed and set alight and one with the God who is present in the host, and in the chalice. Brothers and sisters, when we start to understand this why, that why does Jesus give us the Eucharist? Why did he create me? Why did he put me into this moment? It's that you would know the fulfillment of your heart is in the person of Jesus. That person desires to be an intimate, perfect relationship with you, to consume you in his love, and then to send you out into the world, united with you, inspiring you, making your families, your workplaces, all of your relationships a place of his grace and love. St. Paul says in the second reading, this beautiful passage, you should put away the old self of your former way of life, corrupted through deceitful desires, and be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and put on the new self, created in God's way in righteousness and holiness of truth. When we come to Jesus, the bread of life, when we come able and fully disposed to receive him, the old man, the old self, the old woman disappears and the new person emerges. The new person is Jesus, uniting himself to us and sending us forward, changing us, inspiring us, encouraging us, consuming us with his love. This is why we reverence the Eucharist. This is why it's so important to spend time with the Eucharist. This is why it's so important to dispose ourselves rightly to receive Jesus in the Eucharist. Because the world will be made new only through the person of Jesus made manifest in your life and in my life. Yesterday, every July 31st, yesterday was July 31st, The church celebrates the feast of one of the great saints in the history of the church, St. Ignatius of Loyola. Now, Dominicans and Jesuits historically don't get along, so that's a big thing for me to say. (laughs) St. Ignatius founded the Society of Jesus. But St. Ignatius was one of the great saints, and you see in his life, especially his radical conversion, what it looks like when we get this why right. When we realize everything is about becoming one with Jesus and then going out into the world. The gifts and the talents that we have are no longer for our sake, but they become something for the greater glory of God. They change the world not only now, but forever. St. Ignatius was convalescing from a surgery, and he was just inspired to give his life radically to God, to be changed and to be consumed by the one God who dwells in the Eucharist. And he went about and helped to change the world. Friends, this is what it looks like when we live a properly Eucharistic life that starts with the why and then works its way out into the how and to the what. When we start with that total gift of self to the one who will set us free, 
who then, when we receive Him, consumes us with His love, magnifies His presence in our hearts, and then launches us into the world. No longer myself, but totally His. And I'd like to end today with a beautiful prayer from St. Ignatius of Loyola, which encapsulates what the Lord desires to do for us every time we receive Holy Communion. It's called the Sushipe, and I would encourage you every time you receive Holy Communion to pray it, because it's a short, simple prayer. Take, Lord, and receive all my liberty, my memory, my understanding, and my entire will, all I have and all I call my own. You have given all to me. To you, Lord, I return it. Everything is yours. Do with it what you will. Give me only your love and your grace. That is enough for me.